Welcome to the Sober Podcast, part of the Soberverse created by the team at the Sober Network. The Sober Network has engaged in revolutionizing the treatment industry by creating its own token economy. We offer fresh ideas to an industry that has relied on dated interventions. We are responsive to a new generation of substance users who are attached to their phones so we can impact massive social change. Our unmatched technology displays solutions of our various brands, demonstrating a thorough understanding of how we get things done. We are proving that technology, along with incentivized human accountability, provides measurable and positive outcomes. Visit us at SoberNetwork.com. Welcome to the Sober Podcast, part of the Soberverse, brought to you by Sober Network, and I am your host, Jamie Brickhouse, and I am thrilled today um, that we have joining us is Joy Priest. She's an author and a poet. Uh, She's the author of Horsepower, uh, which is the winner of the Donald Hall Prize for Poetry, and the editor of Once a City Said, a Louisville Poets Anthology. Um, she's an amazing writer and she's got the, um, the awards and fellowships to back it up. She's, a, a, a the recipient of fellowships from the National Endowment for the Arts and the Fine Arts Work Center. And her work has appeared in the American Poetry Review and the Atlantic, among others, uh, as well as commissions from the Museum of Fine Arts, Houston and Los Angeles County Museum of Arts, LACMA. Thank you for joining us today, Joy. It's a pleasure to have you on. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, Well, why don't you just jump right in and tell, before we talk about sobriety and alcoholism and addiction, um, uh, why don't you tell us about um, your work as a poet? Yeah. um, Yeah, I've been, I've been writing, you know, pretty much all of my life. I think that, um, you know, I'm now, you know, 18 months into sobriety, I'm thinking that my personality as a writer or my my relationship to the world as a writer is also related to my relationship to alcohol. And I'm sure that'll probably come up. Yeah, um, but, you know, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm just like, I have a rich interior world and um, I've been writing since I was a little girl. I, um, you know, started writing as like professionally or like, you know, when I said like, this is what I'm going to be, or I found out that one could be a poet in right. the 21st. 
Um, I've been, it's been, you know, 10 years now since I've been doing that work. And uh, my first book came out at 30. I'm 33 now and I'm working on the second book and it's going great. Uh, contrary to what my parents thought, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Congrats. And we're going to get, I want to talk about that, the work that you've got, uh, the one year that's your newest bit, your newest, um, your newest book. Uh, but what brought you to recovery? And you said you've been sober for 18 months now. Um, and full disclosure, um, I, I, I got, I was privileged enough to, to see uh, Joy um, getting, getting sober in, in one of our sober meeting groups. But yeah, tell us a little bit about, about what brought you to recovery. Yeah, you've been there the whole way. So you probably um, have a better understanding of it than me. I'm still, I, sometimes I feel like, where am I? But um, yeah, I was actually doing a fellowship at the Fine Arts Work Center in Provincetown, uh-huh. um, Massachusetts. And if you've ever been to P-Town, you know what it's like. But I was there like- I during, have been to P-Town and I haven't been back sober and it's been many years that I was, got many walks of shame in P-Town. Yes, I've been there in the summer and I've done the walks of shame, but I've also, I was during my fellowship, I was there from October through, um, it's a fellowship that runs October through April and it's just the off season and the Mm. sun goes down at, the sun goes down at 3.30, there's 20, 10 painters and 10 writers there and you drink every day and you know, (laughs) it's just like the only place that's open is this bar that has like drag queens and fishermen. Like, and so you just go there. <laughs> God, I want to go and have a club soda at that bar. <laughs> yeah, well, I started to, right? So I got, so I stopped drinking like halfway through my fellowship. Oh, and wow. um, it was just like, I didn't know anything about recovery programs or 12-step programs. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know. I was just at that point, you know, I had been drinking for, ooh, like almost, uh, you know, maybe like 10 years, no, wait, maybe like 18 years at that point. So yeah. um, I, I, I was grasping at some sort of way out. I knew that like something was wrong and um, I just, I didn't know it was alcoholism. I just knew something was wrong and I was trying things. I was like, oh, let me, let me, I just want to be a person who like meditates and and I'll just smoke weed every day, you know, <laughs> and the, dis- <laughs> the dispensaries had opened in Massachusetts. So there was like one down the street. Yeah. So I, so I dry January and, and then it, it has such a positive effect on me that I just kept going. I went for 10 months that way. And eventually I, started drinking again because I didn't have a program and I, that's yeah. how I ended up in our meeting. Someone, another writer reached out to me because I was posting publicly about not drinking and not wanting to drink anymore. And so that attracted like, you know, people who were in, were in recovery and um, one person in particular who was a poet reached out to me and invited me to our meeting. So. Oh, marvelous. Marvelous. Um, yeah. I, I um, now that I think about it, I remember, uh, uh, you know, when you, when you came in and how you came in. So uh, it's been a joy, so to speak, um, to watch you, um, to watch you get sober. And, and, um, 
and I didn't know the whole um, the Provincetown bit. Yeah, I used to vacation in, in Provincetown uh, for years, uh, and it was a, a week long drink and drug fest. And I needed a vacation to recover from my vacation. But um, I would love to. I love Provincetown. I would love to go back there um, nice. sober, and and I would love to go back there off season. Have you seen that show High Town? No, I haven't. What is stars, it? but it's filmed in P Town. Oh, and I need to see it. The protagonist is this like lesbian cop, mm-hmm. um, but she's an, an alcoholic, so it gets into. She's an active it. alcoholic. I, okay. Oh, good. Yeah, and then so there's two seasons now, but it is really intense. Like if you still are triggered by things, you might not want to mm-hmm. watch it. But oh I, no, I, I can. I'm I'm pretty good with that these days, but. Um, uh, how has your so you're 18 months sober you're already an accomplished you um poet and writer uh before you got sober and have you seen in this in this new um time of sobriety uh have has your work changed um how is it how is it you know before before sobriety and how is it now post sobriety mm-hmm. Before sobriety, you know, it's interesting because I was, I think I would say I was high functioning. Um, you know, I come from a family of heavy drinkers. Everybody was always drinking. I'm like a first generation college student. Um, I, you know, so I, I felt like successful and mm-hmm. I I was motivated by, um, by need and survival. So I was, so I was, I sort of had all these accomplishments, even as I was, going deeper and deeper into alcoholism and addiction. Um, and, and I finished my first book when I was like, you know, deeply in the cups. Um, <laughs> I, I remember working on it and I would, I would be trying to work on it and I would have a drink in one hand and a cigarette in the other. And it's like, how the fuck do you write that way? Like, mm. <laughs> you know? well, how do you write that way? Cause both your hands are occupied. Let's not even forget whether or not you're lucid. (laughs) I would wake up the next day and my handwriting would be illegible, you know, Mm -hmm. and I have beautiful, that's one thing that I, um, like people always point out my students and stuff when I'm like writing on the board and I would wake up the next day and like, I couldn't, I couldn't make out what I had written. And I would call people, like I would call people and just, I would call it research. Like I, I would call my dad who, was um I drank who I drank with for a long time and just get on the phone with him and I would call that research for the book you know um but I'll be on the plane smoking drinking and talking to you know people on the phone and that was like a part of the writing years um so that was what it was like writing um and I don't know maybe that manufactured a kind of emotional resonance that I needed to write mm-hmm. but also making the 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 sort of um it was also making the spirit that I needed to write very small and just like in a like I felt like in a tunnel you know and mm-hmm. afterward um I remember I like, like what my you just first said, week- by the way I I have to I just have to emphasize that um that phrase you just said, because it's, it's beautiful in it. And it, um, and I think we should remember it, which is, um, it limited the, it made the spirit that you needed to write 
very small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was like it was like sort of a, it was like a kind of extinguishing force on things. Yeah. Um, and I felt and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know that it was alcohol. I didn't know that it was drinking, making my life so small. But, it, you know, now it, it's super evident, you know, like <laughs> when I start to like an early sobriety, I'm still in early sobriety, but like early, early sobriety, um, it was super evident immediately. And um, so right after, like, I, I remember the first week that I was sober, I had a poem due for the Atlantic and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I, cause I, I didn't know, like, I, I was so like, I was so far mentally away from writing, you know, yeah. at that point, like, like sobriety had immediately sort of replaced writing as my identity. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know how to do it or what to do, um, how to manufacture the emotion that I was talking about earlier this you know um and I so thankfully it worked out but I remember I immediately like was started like searching for resources about it you know because I was in a sober meeting with a bunch of writers yeah so I started people in the meeting to see if they had written anything about it and I found um Leslie Jameson's book The Recovering but I first Mm -hmm. found her essay in the New York Times that that led to that book it's like Uh it was a single essay that that she had published before I guess you know she sold the book yeah and it was I can't remember the name of it but it's on her um website if you like look at her publications but that essay really really helped me and um I just sort of resigned myself to the fact that it might take some time to work itself out but honestly it hasn't sobriety has not really affected my ability to write. I'm, I'm like halfway into Wonderful. a second manuscript now, which is much quicker than I, the first manuscript went. I spent 10 years on the first manuscript and now I'm halfway through the new one. And it's been two years since I published my book. Yeah. Um, not even. So, so, so it sounds like sobriety has helped your, your, your work. I think, yeah, I think I get so much more sleep and I <laughs> so much more time, you know, time is just, wow. Like so much oh, more yeah. time. So much more time. Yeah, the only and I don't really miss drinking at all anymore. But um, the, there's sometimes I, I. But when I'm stuck waiting, um, sometimes I miss drinking because I could easily kill that time. You know, going to the bar across the street. Um, yep. you know, or sitting in the airport. Um, but yeah, but 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 mostly time is a gift now that I'm sober. Anyway, we're gonna uh break for a quick uh, few seconds for a commercial, and uh, we'll be right back. The Sober Podcast is now part of the Soberverse. It is another innovative solution developed by the Sober Network. The Sober Podcast is giving a voice to recovery. For more information about this and all the other parts of the Soberverse, visit us at thesoberverse.com, thesobernetwork.com, sober.com, sobersystems.com, soberpodcast.com, sobercoin.io, and recoverycoaches.com. And we are back with poet Joy Priest. Um, 
I see where you have um, you facilitated facilitated poetry workshops for incarcerated women. Um, and have you done any of that? Well, I want to hear about that any regardless. But I, have you done any um, since you've been sober? I have not. And that's a good question, because um, I, I did. Um, I was, you know, the other the programs that I have done in Kentucky and South Carolina were in my 20s. And so I was not sober at that time. But mm-hmm. now there's a program here in Houston that uh, has been running for a while that I really uh, have, you know, I expressed interest when I first got here that I wanted to be involved in, but it's been, the jails have been in quarantine the whole time. So, right, of course. So you weren't able to do that. Right. But one thing I'm excited about is they have an option in the program to work with uh, a, a specific unit. I guess like the women's um, jail is like organized by units and like one of them mm-hmm. is like sub. So I've like at requested to do that one specifically. So oh, um, one of the units is substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, great. Hoping to, to start that this fall. Yeah. Fabulous. Well, we want to hear more about that. Um, you are editor. So is the, is the, um, the book that's in the works, um, once a city said at Louisville poets anthology that you're editing. Yeah, that's already finished. So it's at the, it's like, we're in the production process now and it comes out spring. I think it's May or June of next year, 2023. 2023. And yeah. So I'm from Louisville and, um, my first book was, sat there and it was interesting because it came out in 2020 in the midst of all you know like the uprising in Louisville around the murder of Breonna Taylor and um, I wasn't living there I haven't lived there since I was 26 I think I left when I was 26 but I'm still you know very connected to I was a journalist in Kentucky and I'm still mm-hmm. very connected to journalists and poets and so I was kind of following everything from an inside you know look while it was happening even though I wasn't yeah. there contact with everyone and people were reaching out to me uh, about like having a platform to write something or say something uh-huh. um, because one of the writers that have like sort of gotten out of the city this you know it's a small sort of insular landlocked um maybe politically regressive place and i i happen to be one of the people that have gotten out and like have a successful writing career and you know i've published on the press so like I thought, okay, well, let me put my fillers out and see if there's an opportunity to bring all of these writers together to have something to that want to have something to say about what's happening here. So it ended yeah. up turning into an anthology. Mm-hmm. Turning into an anthology. Great, great. Well, we'll look for that in um, spring, probably spring of 2023. 2023, yeah. Okay. Once a city said a Louisville Poets anthology. And what are you working on now? Um, well, so now I'm in, I'm working on my PhD. Um, Uh and you're at University of Houston. Yeah. University of Houston. Um, I'm working on a second poetry manuscript. Um, I'm working on a, you know, a theoretical project that for, for the PhD. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I say, I, I will say I'm working on a memoir, but it's not, I haven't started it yet. I'm working on it in the mind. <laughs> yeah, it's so. in your head. It's percolating. Yeah, yeah, that's work. Um, what's the most difficult struggle you have overcome in sobriety and how did you overcome it? 
Mm. Hmm. The most difficult uh, struggle I've overcome in sobriety is probably setting boundaries with um, my father. It's been mm-hmm. really hard because he, you know, it's it's just been such a difficult um, transition because you you drink with someone for such a like I mean more I've, I was drinking with my father longer than I was not in my you know in my life uh-huh. yeah wow you know in sobriety I realized oh that's a huge part of our relationship like we've b- built a relationship and an intimacy around that if which I don't believe you can build with drinking but it felt that way you know yes and false intimacy false intimacy mm-hmm. and so you know he, and you know I don't I'm not um, placing the label of alcoholic on anyone else, but um, my father drinks regularly and he still calls me. And I, and it, it's, it was hard for me in early sobriety to, to end up on the phone with him while he was drinking because it was triggering for me. You know, that that's like when I drank part of my ritual was like going outside, sitting on the porch, chain smoking and talking to someone conversation, you know, mm-hmm. and it started with my father, you know, on the weekends. And so, um, it's been really hard to navigate how to set a boundary without, without sort of, uh, without projecting my identity as a sober alcoholic onto yeah. him without, mm-hmm. you know, inventory with, you know, and all that stuff and without, and building up new resentment. And so it's, people don't tell you about that part. Well, they don't tell you about anything, but <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have to change my relationship to someone. I'm going to have to figure out something to replace this with. I'm going to have to set boundaries or just not talk to someone. It's like, you know, that's, that's been the hardest part for me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But how did you set those boundaries? I mean, how did you figure that out? How were you able to do that? I mean, uh, uh, you know, mostly it's been about work on myself, right? uh Because I'm powerless over someone else's behavior. I can't control anyone else. Um, So, you know, initially I, there was a period of time where I didn't, I didn't answer the phone. Um, And even I said, even, you know, I might have to. So no response is one way. It's just, you just don't respond. Yeah. And then I start, I worked out this thing where it was like, oh, I put my phone on do not disturb at a certain time of day where I know after that, if I get a call, it's going to be like a drunk call. (laughs) <laughs> and so I, I did not answer the phone after a certain time of day. And um, that just gave me the time to work through my resent. I mean, I'm, you know, working through the steps, work through my mm-hmm. resentment, um, do my step four inventory, um, you know, do the, do the character defects, humility work. And now I'm, I, I feel like I'm better able to handle if, if, I answer the phone and, and someone happens to be drunk. I don't have as much of a reaction or a resentment towards that person. So it's really, it really is the work that I've done on myself around, around those relationships. Yeah, no, but, but I, yes, I, I, I totally, um, it's the work. I believe that it's the work you've done, but I also like just that practical um, tip that you gave us of, you know, putting your phone on do not disturb at certain times of the day when you think those drunk calls are coming and, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to respond. Um, so I, those, those are useful tips. 
I still never have said to him, like, I don't want to talk to you while you're drunk. Yeah. I, because I know that I'm not prepared for that conversation yet in a way that won't end up being like, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to like say something that's going to end up being like, and I'm still early, you know, I'm still learning and mm-hmm. everything, but like say something that's harmful or to harm another person or to, you know, damage things um, or build new resentments and those sort of things. So I just make sure I tell, you know, I talk to my sponsor about it and make sure um, I'm not going beyond the prudent advice that I'm getting and just like taking it slow. So. Yeah, I agree with that. Totally. Well, listen, this has been wonderful having you um on and hearing about your work and your sobriety and uh and your tips for how to how to set boundaries um tell us how our listeners can get in touch with you uh and find out more about what's going on with you and 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 your books and your work yeah so um Links to everything. I mean, every way to find me, social media, the classes I'm teaching, my projects, and uh, where I'm reading is on my website at www.joypriest.com. That's J-O-Y, last name P-R-I-E-S-T.com. And mm-hmm. then um, I'm active on Twitter. I'm, you know, I, I was going to tell you this also that I do stand up as well. And and um, that's I consider stand up comedians writers. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I mean, I know we you're very funny um, uh, in in all of our meetings, but I didn't know you were actually doing stand up. Though I love that. Mm-hmm. I started it when I was really drunk. Like I would get drunk and do it, but now, <laughs> you know, I'm really trying to write jokes. But um, I had so I haven't done it sober. But um, I think that I use Twitter for that. So I'm very active on Twitter and. Uh, my Twitter is at Dolly underscore mama underscore like the Dalai Lama, except for Dolly. Oh, mama. okay. I love it. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to follow you. And um, well, thank you for being on. I'm Jamie Brickhouse, your host. And uh, you can follow me on TikTok at Jamie underscore Brickhouse, where I tell a true story wearing high heels every day. And uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Jamie Brickhouse. Um, there's an article in the HuffPost personal that I have about my father, Daddy Earl. And um, I thank all of you for listening. And again, thank you, Joy, for joining us. It's been great to have you signing out for the Sober Podcast. We'll be back with another show next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Sober Podcast. We hope it has been as good for you as it was for us. Please share our show with all of your friends, family, acquaintances, and future encounters so that we can grow our show and make our mission a larger reality. We have a growing social media presence on all platforms, so find us and like us, especially Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are listed on all the major podcast directories, such as Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Thank you all who make this show happen. Howie, our host, Carrie, our producer, and our sponsor, The Sober Network. 